0: Welcome to C3 Hobart Online. We hope that you enjoy this message today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, make sure that you listen till the end to find out how. I want to share a word with you today that uh, I've entitled, Respecting His Provision. And uh, we're going to be getting into this. This is a Bible. It's my Bible. For many of you, it's on your phone. It's different devices. Put up, put up your hand if you still bring a, an old-fashioned Bible like this. Come on. What about the phones? What about the phone users? Love it. Love it. We're going to get into it today. And actually, over the next couple of weeks, I really felt a passion and a desire to just go a little bit deeper and and pull out some truth and love out of the Scriptures. So uh, I want you to bear with me. I want you to receive into what it is. Uh, these are the words that I feel God wants to share with us at this time for our church legend has it that social activist mahatma gandhi once visited some missionaries and during conversation he pointed to a bible which was which was sitting on a shelf in the far corner of the room and he said this he said you christians have a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces turn the world upside down and bring Peace to a battle-torn planet, yet you treat it as though it's nothing more than a well-written piece of literature. Now we may not blow things up today over the next couple of weeks. The production guys won't like that. But I am believing that as we get into the scripture, as we get into the word of God, that it not only brings a message of hope, but that it that it, it talks about truth into our lives and it also it allows this love to flow through because that's what the Bible's about. Right. If you're new with us here today, uh, we are a Bible-based, spirit-led church that focuses as much as what we do midweek as what happens on our Sunday services. Our playgroups, our youth, our young adults, our, our reach into our community is what matters to us. Our vision is about reaching people who are on a journey of faith and building strong followers of Christ. On Monday night, our church board, met, and it was a packed agenda. But I love how in unison, they all committed to put aside the agenda and just thank God for his mighty provision in order that we may step into his vision. And it inspired me with the word I have today, which is, as I shared, respecting his provision. There's a story of a a woman who was a single mum And no matter how much she tried to save, she always struggled to financially make ends meet. This woman was incredibly faith-filled, and on a daily basis, she would pray out loud, Jesus, I believe that you are going to meet my needs. Her prayer was so loud that her neighbors could hear her, especially the one who lived right beside her. Because this guy hated God. He hated anything to do with God. And so her prayer of thankfulness that, that Jesus was going to come and meet her needs drove him absolutely crazy. So one, des- one day he decided, I'm going to mess with this woman and show her how stupid her prayers have been." So he went to the grocery store and he bought three big bags of groceries full of some of the greatest products that you could purchase. Then he went and he placed them on the woman's doorstep, rang the bell, and went and hid behind a tree, waiting for her to come out and to find them. As she came to the door, she saw the groceries and saw that no one was around. And she loudly declared, Jesus, I knew you were going to meet my needs. To which the guy jumps out from behind the tree and says, you fool, there is no God. It was me who put the groceries on your doorstep. To which the woman threw her hands in the air and said, Oh God, you are even better than I thought. You didn't just provide for my needs, but you made the devil pay for it. <laughs> I want to share a few points with you. The First is this. God promises to meet your needs. He never promised to provide your wants. God promises... To meet your needs, he never promised to provide your wants. On November 24th, 1989, the shoe company Reebok released the Reebok pump. And for those who don't know or maybe weren't into basketball, the Reebok pump was the pinnacle of basketball shoes for any young boy growing up. I was 16 I was a basketballer, and honestly, all I wanted was a pair of Reebok pumps. So I saved, and I saved, and I saved, but to be honest, I was getting nowhere fast. I mean, these things were expensive, and my current wheels that I was having at the time were like your Kmart specials. It was nowhere near my birthday, and I was guessing that Santa wasn't going to drop a pair down the chimney. And mum and dad weren't even entertaining the fact that I needed Reebok pumps. So I started selling stuff. And this was before Gumtree or Facebook Marketplace or any of those things. This was old-fashioned schoolyard bartering. I started by trading my sandwiches. (laughs) But then I realised I got hungry. So then I started selling excess junk in my room. Until I realised that my excess junk was junk for a reason and it wasn't worth anything to anyone else either. So I went in desperation. I remember the day. I took the punt that it was coming up to summer and it was coming up towards the end of the school year and that I really didn't need my school jumper. And I also knew that there was a guy I hung around with had lost his school jumper and he was copping some flack from his mum at home. So I took my school jumper in my bag, neatly folded one day, and I sold it to him for $25. Solved his problem and it pushed me so close that I could start smelling the leather of those Reebok pumps. Sadly, they didn't make me jump any higher and I didn't pick up any more girls because of it. Yet what I quickly realized is that Melbourne isn't that warm in summer. And so I spent a lot of days at school shivering in my polo shirt. There's an Old Testament story where God uses a bloke by the name of Moses to lead the Israelites out of a place of slavery and brokenness into a land and a life of freedom. And throughout this whole journey, God continues to provide their needs. But for the Israelites, it just never seemed enough. I'm going to take it up from Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be reading a fair bit of scripture today. Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 7. Then the Lord told him, Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. It's really important to get this. I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land where a whole lot of people live. Verse 9, Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians have abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel, lead the people Israel out of Egypt. And the next few chapters are full of how God leads his people out of oppression, out of brokenness, out of slavery, out of this place in Egypt where life was really bad for these guys. He took them from oppression towards the promised land. And for those unfamiliar with the story, one of the challenges that they faced was the need to cross a body of water known as the Red Sea. And I have read so many commentaries where people dilute God's miraculous provision saying it wasn't a big deal. Scripture tells me That the Lord created a pathway through a continuous body of water whereby a million people, potentially a million people, walked through and they did not get a single toe wet. It also says to me that in that same body of water where God created this miraculous provision for them, that then the water came back over and it says that it covered the Egyptians, including their chariots and including their horses. So don't tell me that God's provision is no big deal. Then we flick across to the New Testament where the Apostle Paul is is writing to the church in Philippi and he's thanking them for his provisions. Paul is on these missionary trips. It's not like he took this, this caravan of all of these needs and this trailer of everything. You see, when we go, we think we need all the wants that go with us. Paul took the needs that he had in order to be able to speak God's word out there. And he gets to this place in Philippi and he's thanking them for the provisions because they looked after him. And he says this in Philippians chapter four, verse 18. It says, at the moment, I have all I need and more. I love that. I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts that you sent me with Aphrodite. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Verse 19. And this same God who takes care of me what will supply. Not maybe, not if he feels like it. It says the same God who takes care of me will supply all your what? Your needs, not your wants, your needs. The same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Yet the the challenge that we face is that we think to ourselves, we get confused between our needs and our wants. We get confused with what it is. And then we take a story like in the Old Testament where God provided for their needs in order for them to physically get across a continuum of water in order to be able to escape from the slavery and the harshness and the brokenness where they were towards a promised land. Yet what do they do? They turn around and start complaining. And they don't see it as a miracle. Second thing is this. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. Back into Scripture, Exodus chapter 16. I told you you are going to read a bit of Scripture here. Exodus chapter 16 says, Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elim and journeyed into the wilderness of sin between Elim and Mount Sinai. They arrived, uh, they arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt, one month after being in slavery, oppression, brokenness, Verse 2 says this. There the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. That verse breaks my heart. God provided their needs, got them out of slavery, out of brokenness, provided for them what to do. And here it is one month later and it says, If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. Can I tell you, be careful what you say. There we sat around with pots filled with meat and we ate all the bread that we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day, the people can go out and pick up as much food as they want, as they need for that day. Even when the Israelites are sitting there complaining and whinging and bitching and doing all of these things here, the Lord said to Moses, you know what, I'm hearing what they're saying and I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Why? Because my people matter goes on, Numbers 11, 1 to 10. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship. It's continuing on in the scriptures. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship and and the Lord heard everything that they said. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We started something here, start of the year, out of Psalm 100, where it said, let's enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. When you wake up in the morning, not, I didn't get enough sleep last night, the milk was stale, whatever it might be. Does milk go stale? Goes off. Is stale the right word? What? Curdled. That's disgusting. (laughs) Curdling milk, that is disgusting. You just put me off milk. We enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. Yet here it is here. It says that the, the Lord heard everything they said. The people are waking up in the morning, provided for. And the Lord heard everything they said. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them and he sent a fire to rage against them. He destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of camp. That's for a whole nother preach. God was an angry guy at sometimes. Verse 2, then the people screamed to Moses for help. And when he prayed to the Lord, the fire stopped. After that, the area was known as a place of burning because the fire from the Lord had burned amongst them. Verse 4, Then the foreign rabble who were travelling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. The same place where they were in bondage, in brokenness, in slavery, in oppression. They began to crave the good things of Egypt. The people of Israel also began to complain. So those around them started to complain and and it created this osmosis effect on them. And then the people of Israel started to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. We had everything we wanted, but now our appetites are gone, and all we see is this manna. All we see is what God provides for us every single day. Fresh manna that came to them every single day, yet they're saying that this is all we ever see. Verse 8, the people would go out and they'd gather it from the ground. They made... They made flour by grinding it with hand mills or pounding it into mortars, then they boiled it into a pot and made it into flat cakes. The manna came down on the camp with the dew during the night verse 10. Moses heard all the families' thanks tone. Moses heard all the families standing in the doorways of their tents whining, and the Lord became angry; Moses also became agitated. In the movie Johnny Bosco, Johnny Depp plays an undercover cop who spends his time hanging around with the mafia and in a famous line to Al Pacino, he says this, he says, hang around with the wrong crowd and it will eventually infiltrate who you are. Listen to the wrong crowd and you'll start believing what they say. God had delivered the Israelites out of the most oppressive of situations and was providing for their needs every single day, yet they would turn around and say, it's only manna. It's only manner. God said, when you open the doors to your tent every morning, I will provide for your needs. You don't even have to go and hunt. You don't have to gather. You don't have to do anything. You open the tents to your doors and it is sitting there right there in front of you. Why? Because I'm a gracious God and I'm going to provide all of your needs. And they said, it's only manner." And straight away, all they did is said, we want to go back to that place where we were in bondage, where we're in slavery, where we're in brokenness. My driving ambition is to ensure that the church never becomes a place where we take God's provision for granted. That it never becomes a zone whereby we look inwardly and complain and then look across town hoping that we can get it better somewhere else. Why? Because it's unhealthy and it's infectious. When the Israelites complained, Moses started complaining. And suddenly, God's daily provision became a burden to them. When did God's provision become a burden? When did God's provision in our life become a burden? When did God's grace and mercy and His goodness become a burden in our life? So much so that we think to ourselves, I want to go back to that place where I was broken. I want to live in that place where I was broken. I said at the start that the Scripture speaks truth and love. And I believe we have an obligation to speak life. To speak life into the church, and I'm not talking about where we stand here, but to speak life into the Big C church, the church in general. I believe we have an obligation to speak life into others. Because when we do, we respect the provision that God has given to all of us. The church is His design, it's not ours. We're custodians of what He designed. And because it's run by humans, we'll make mistakes and we won't get it right all the time. But I'm pretty proud of a church that is irrationally generous in our willingness to serve others, is committed to seeing others thrive, and is determined to take ground in places where the devil thinks he's got a stronghold. My final point is this it's more than enough. It's more than enough. Is where it becomes a bit of a personal testimony. Because over the last 12 months, I've started asking God a whole lot of questions about my own life and a calling to lead the church. Why? Why, God, did I step out of a career that I was incredibly successful at? To lead a church. And some of my questions to God were healthy. And I seek forgiveness, Lord God, because some of them weren't healthy. Many of them were born out of frustration and fear. And I felt God saying this. Isaiah 58, verse 11. I felt like He imprinted this on my heart. It says this says the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Here's the thing, when God guides, He will always provide. Let me say that again, church, because when God guides, He will always provide. God, open the doors for us to lead a church. Can I tell you, He is providing for our every need. I want to finish with a scripture. we have done a lot of scripture today, but it's good, right? I want to finish with a scripture from Ephesians chapter 2. says this. Maybe if you feel like it, just it's on the screens, you can read it, but if you want to just close your eyes and let the words sink in. Because it says, God is so rich in mercy and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life. When He raised Christ from the dead, It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because why we are united with Christ. So God can point to us in all the future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace, His kindness, His love towards us. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for that. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the things that we have done or try and do, so none of us can boast about that. And it says this it says, Why? Because we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things that He planned for us so long ago. You know what? Not one of us deserved the gift of grace, but God knew that that is exactly what we needed. And because He loves us so much, He just, just didn't just give us the gift of grace. He then lavished upon us what I call the miracle of more than enough in just a moment I'm going to ask the band to play that song gratitude that we played before and I want to take a moment before we close and speak to those that I believe God has been speaking to today and maybe it's like me Where in the last 12 months, you've been asking some questions of God, just like I have been. God, why aren't you providing my wants? Because he said, because I've been providing your needs. He said, I took you from the places that you didn't need to be and I've taken you into a promised land. But for whatever reason, maybe for you, the last 12 months has been difficult. It's been difficult to to ascertain what God is doing in your life. And so I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to pause after each line. And if that's you, just silently, I want you to pray that with me. And then what we're going to do is that we're going to sing that song. Because for some, those words are so true. And that all that I have inside of me is a hallelujah. You see, God's not saying to you, I need this from you, I need this from you, I need this from you. What God's saying to you is all I need is a hallelujah to clear my name. All I need you to do is just declare my name. I will provide all of your needs, not your wants. Because that's more than enough. So just where you are, just close your eyes. I'm going to pray this prayer. God, I surrender to you today. I place my faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. I am sorry for my rebellious ways and selfish choices. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from every wrong. I turn away from sin and I turn to you, God. I received Jesus as my Lord and Saviour and as my provider. I believe that He lived, He died, and He rose again so that I could have the gift of eternity with You. Thank You for Your provision in my life. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you all to stand. I'm just going to encourage as the band play this song that it may be for you it's the first time that you've prayed that prayer. Or maybe you've prayed it many times but you've just got a little bit confused as to what God's doing for you and you know deep down in your heart that you're kind of like, you know what? I just need to give you thanks. I need to hand it back over to you. I'm going to encourage you just to make your way to the front. This is just about you saying, you know what? All I can give you, Lord, sometimes is just my hallelujah. Just be able to say, you know what? I'm going to come and stand at the front because this is my hallelujah. This is me saying, thank you, God, for providing my needs. Thank you, God, for being there. Thank you for taking me out of my brokenness. Thank you for taking me out of these places. You know what? We don't need to do anything outside. There's time, there's weight. I'm I'm encouraging people to stay in here if they need to. But just be able to come forward just as we sing this, just between you and God and say, you know what? This is between me and you, God. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. And here is my hallelujah. Amen. Thanks for joining us today at See Through Hobart Online. If you were impacted by this message or you'd like to know a bit more about our church and what we do, you can get in touch with us via our website, c3hobart.org.au. See you next time.